Today, the wrestler that would not give up. Esau was coming. Jacob was about to meet up with his past. Have you ever been brought into a situation like that? Would he lose everything he had schemed to achieve over those 20 years? Someone has said our past always catches up with us. I think that's an accurate statement. 20 years of history he could not erase. He could not wipe out the needs of Jacob's life were still real, and he could not get away from history. The time had come in this man's life when he had to throw himself into the nourishing of his soul, into the refreshing of his entire being. He had lived too long for Jacob, and he had to have an encounter with God. I have said it so many times in conferences, privately, and in services publicly. The worship service is a therapy to the human heart. We are so often spectators to what God is trying to do. However, when we come into the house of God, we are to become a participant in what God is doing, and this is the encounter of Jacob with a heavenly wrestler. After a week of bustle and tension, and often a late Saturday night, the so-called worshiper gets up late, grabs a bite of breakfast, and hurries off to church. Arriving a little breathless, they sit back, and let God, the minister, the choir, and whoever else take over. The problem with that is the spectator returns to the workaday world almost untouched by spiritual experience. The worship of God, we believe, transcends all other human experience. We have an encounter with God. We must leave the turbulence, and we must leave the pressures of the world, and walk into Christ's healing presence. And in that presence there is what we call renewal, renewal in the spirit, renewal in the mind, renewal in the body, a renewal of strength here in the presence of our heavenly visitor. There is a truer perspective available for all who take the time to come and be with us in the spiritual encounter in God's house. Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him. God wanted Jacob to be in active and complete communion with him. He needed an inward and an outward humbling of himself. It was needed by this fugitive at this point in his life. And I believe we need it week by week. We cannot expect to hurry in at the last minute 
and be ready for a profound experience, friends. We cannot expect to have God meet with us in a powerful, supernatural way if we're looking at our watch and worrying about what is out ahead of us after this worship service is over. We must remember that God has brought us aside from the busyness of this life in order to talk to us and, if need be, wrestle with us so that we will come to know him and know who we are ourselves. Jacob had two things happen to him in that wrestling match, and these two things comprise our outline this morning. The back of the bulletin is designed for you to write things down to remember if you'd like. The first thing Jacob had to have happened to him was to meet the Lord. He met the Lord. And the second thing was he had to meet himself. That is our outline. First of all, he met the Lord. The Lord really wanted to break Jacob. You see, the Bible is explicit in its terminology. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Whosoever will may come, the old song says, and it's biblical. The Lord wanted to break Jacob. Now, there is conjecture about the text and this heavenly visitor. This visitor is not identified, only referred to as an angel of the Lord. Many commentators believe that this wrestler was Jesus himself because of the way the dialogue goes in this passage of Scripture. And I am one that believes that very well could have been the Lord Jesus incarnate coming to wrestle with Jacob. The battle lasted all night long, and all night long Jacob defended himself and refused to surrender or admit that he had sinned against God. We are prone the same way when we come into this spiritual encounter. We are prone not to surrender, not to give up. And it's an interesting development here in Genesis 32. Our concept of winning a battle is to land the last punch. You remember when Muhammad Ali was at the prime of his career, he boasted about fluttering like a butterfly and stinging like a bee. The idea being the winner is the one who can hit the most and land the last punch and walk away champion. God's concept of winning is far different than that, and we must see it. God's concept of winning is for us to surrender, to throw in the towel using pugilist terms, 
to end the fight by surrender, but Jacob refused. And God is persistent. The heavenly wrestler would not give up. He lingered till the break of day. Well, have you ever come to the point in your spiritual experience where you've almost wanted to say, God, let go of me. Release your hold on me. I can't stand this anymore. Be careful, because you may have a longer battle than you need to have. And it's never, never joyful. It's painful. This heavenly wrestler was persistent. He lingered all night long till the break of day because Jacob needed to meet the Lord. How patient God is. Always striving with us, always encouraging us to come back home, always pleading with us to surrender our will and our plans to his will and his plans so that we will be successful and happy in life. How patient he is, this heavenly wrestler. Some of you don't deserve to be alive this morning, really. But God's patience has been evident in his dealings with you. And you're here. You have felt the presence of God. You have heard his name. And today, once again, you have the opportunity to surrender to him and find power and life as he comes to touch you. A man in South Africa had such an experience. He had been seduced by another man who had an outlet for selling liquor. The drink had gotten hold of him so that whenever he had a little money, he spent it on what they called fire water. I think we understand that term. A missionary lady in South Africa told this man of the Lord Jesus Christ and his power to save and to deliver. One day, as this man was walking along the road to where the fire water was, he suddenly stopped in his tracks, turned around, and went back home. His wife was so amazed when he came into the home. Why had he not taken the money he had received to buy the fire water? The man replied very simply, because of a name because of a name. When pressed to tell the name, he said, well, it was the name Jesus. I was on my way to the canteen when I stopped and I said, Jesus, Jesus. And the spell in my life was broken. He said, I no longer had a desire to go to the canteen. I had a desire to turn around and go home, and that's what I have done. And I don't believe I'll ever want to go back to the canteen again. It was the name Jesus, Jesus. Do you understand that today? 
We sang it together a few moments ago. Bless that wonderful name, the name that calms our fears, the name that dries our tears. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The heavenly wrestler that will not give up. The Lord wanted to break Jacob, but Jacob was merely defending himself. Finally, the heavenly wrestler touched the hollow of his thigh so that it was out of joint. And it was that touch that caused Jacob to finally give up. You know why? Because he was weak. In his weakness, he held on for dear life. And finally, in the text we read, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Now it's Jacob that's holding on. Now it's Jacob that will not let go. Now comes the test in the story. The heavenly visitor said, What is your name? And Jacob blurts it out. It goes through the morning air. Jacob! is my name. And that, my friends, is the greatest victory that Jacob ever got. It's in verse 27 of the text. What a victory it was when he said, Jacob, why was that such a victory? Because Jacob means the schemer. And when he said, my name is Jacob, he was giving up on his own ways. He was saying, from now on, I'm going to do it God's way. From now on, I'm going to surrender my plan, my wish, to your plan and your wish. My name is Jacob. Oh, my friends, what a moment of encounter that is when we finally say it. My name is, this is my problem, this is what I am. It's then that God is able to do something for us. That leads us to the second point in the story. He met himself. A man does not truly see himself until he sees the Lord, someone has said. Many examples. Saul, on his road to Damascus, said, Lord, what will you have me to do? You see, he saw the Lord first, and then he saw himself, and he surrendered to God's purpose. Once Jacob saw himself and confessed his sin, he could be changed, and it's true with any of us. And the angel said to him, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. And the name Israel means a God-governed man. It means a prince with God. That's the actual rendering of the name. A God-governed man. Are you a God-governed man, sir? Are you a God-governed woman, ma'am? Is God in charge? Is God in control? Are you a prince or a princess with God? Jacob first had to say, my name is... Jacob, before the angel could say, you will be Israel, you will now be a God-governed man because you've surrendered 
and there was in that moment a new beginning. 2 Corinthians 5.17, he that's in Christ is new. Under main point two, he met himself. You can put A, a new beginning. It was the dawn of a new day for this man because he met the Lord, he met himself. He was changed. There would be no more scheming and conniving, no more trickery. Then you can put B, a new power. After a new beginning, there is always a release of new power. That's why the worship experience is so important. Every time you have that encounter with the heavenly visitor, there is a new power, a new release of God within. That's why we can never afford to pass up the opportunity of worship and meeting with God because in doing so, we meet with ourselves and there's no one we need to meet with more than ourselves and have God's power coursing through this bit of clay, this temple where the Holy Ghost wants to dwell. A new beginning brings a new power and then see a new walk. Jacob had a new walk. He limped. But that limp was a mark of power, not weakness. Don't ever mistake this part of the text as weakness. It was power. Every time he took a step, he was reminded of his encounter with God. And it touched his life in such a way that he could never get away. He could never get away. Your tears in church are not a sign of weakness, my friend. You're falling on your knees. At an altar of prayer is not a sign of weakness. Your crying out to God is not a sign of weakness. It's not sunset, it's sunrise. It's a new walk, a new beginning. That's what this story is all about. It is the dawn of a new day. As the sun arose, Jacob limped out to meet Esau, but he, le he limped out with God's help. He was not going in the strength of Jacob, he was going with a limp, remembering when he was weak, then he could be strong. Here's a further observation from this text. The heavenly visitor said, let me go for the day breaketh. Why did the angel want to leave? There is a principle found in the Bible that I want you to see today. It's two other places only in Scripture. One is Luke chapter 24, and the other is Luke chapter 6. In Luke 24, Jesus had been resurrected. He spoke with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. He expounded unto them, beginning at Moses and all the prophets. As they drew nigh unto the village, he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us. Keep that in mind, will you? 
He made as though he would have gone further. The other is Luke 6, 48. Jesus came to his disciples walking on the sea. But what follows is interesting. For the scripture says, and would have passed by them. That's interesting, isn't it? He came walking on the sea and would have passed by them. In Genesis 32, Luke 24, and Luke 6, these three instances, God desires to go. Why? Why does God desire to pass by? It's a very interesting part of Scripture, a very interesting part of spiritual life. It is simply this, my friends, if we do not desire him to stay, he will go. He will go unless we keep him. He will pass by unless we stop him. Last Sunday we sang it, Pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry, while on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. The angel cries out, let me go. Jacob has been resisting, but now realizes the blessedness of having this visitor there as a friend and a companion, and he cries out, I will not let thee go. Oh, glory to God. You say, oh, if I could only have this atmosphere with me all week. You can if you see this divine principle. God remains with those who want him to remain. The Holy Spirit abides with those who desire to have his abiding presence. Otherwise, he passes by. If you're just gung-ho all week long in doing your thing, you don't have time for God. You don't have time for Bible study. You don't have time to be quiet and meditate on the Lord. There's nothing God can do. But when you constrain Him, when you hold on to Him, when you stop him on that Emmaus road or walking by on the sea of life and say, Jesus, don't go any further. Here I am. He will be there. That's why he had to cry, let me go. Because now Jacob is holding on for dear life. Because he saw himself. When you see your weakness and your need, you will do the same. We overcome him when we yield. Isn't that interesting? When we are vanquished, we are victors. I think it's the idea presented by Paul in 2 Corinthians 12.10 when he said, when I am weak, then am I strong. Someone wrote these lines on this very text from Genesis. And when my all of strength shall fail, I shall with the God-man prevail. And that's the concept. When Jacob met himself, he was changed. 
This simply means, friends, if I may put it in present-day terms, that many of us in this service today, brought together by the Spirit of God, need to stop today and realize that we have not just come to fill a seat in church. We have not just come to hear the choir and the music and hear a sermon. It is as though we were out there in that desert region about to meet our Esau, and we have an encounter with God, and we say, God, I'm not going to leave this place until you bless me, until you show me what I am, who I am, and I can go out of here with a new beginning, a new power, a new walk, even if it's a limp. I want to be changed. I want to have your eternal blessing and power in my life. But we're that dead serious. We will meet God. I had an incredible experience some time ago. It was when I was pastoring in Olympia, took my entire staff one day to meet with Bill Popejoy, whom I have mentioned from this pulpit before. He was ministering at Northwest College in Kirkland. At that time, he had had nine surgeries for cancer. His wife was in a wheelchair from rheumatoid arthritis and had been so for 20 years. Bill was wearing an apparatus in one side of his face to fill up all that had been removed by surgery because of the cancer that was spreading through his mouth and throat, neck area. We sat with Bill Popejoy for a good while and shared the things of God. Bill wrote a book on Psalm 23 titled, Goodness, You're Following Me. And in that book, Bill writes, remember now, nine surgeries for cancer a wife in a wheelchair, 20 years with rheumatoid arthritis. Somehow, he said, we have foolishly equated goodness with pleasure. But that kind of logic supposes that lollipops and candy bars are better for you than peas and carrots. The child is not judge of what is good for him. His parents must make the decision. Leave the kid alone and he will stay up all night skip school, live in front of a TV set, and eat little more than candy, Cokes, and hamburgers. And the reason is apparent. He simply does not yet know what is good for him. In like manner, we as God's children cannot now know what is good for us. We are in no position to make decisions. All the facts have not been given to us. So what are we to do? We are to follow Jesus. That's all. Bill Popejoy answers, that's all. Follow Jesus. When I read those words and then had this personal encounter with Bill Popejoy, I began to understand some of the experience of Genesis 32, 
some of that which God brought this man to in his own life. Why the limp? Why he touched him in the hollow of the thigh? So if it's cancer, or if it's a touch in the thigh that makes us limp the rest of our lives, it is because God wants us to know his happiness, his victory, his guidance, his blessing. He does not want to see us all scabbed up and bleeding because of our own selfish ways. He keeps wrestling with us. He won't let go. Only if we let him go will he walk away from us. But when we hold on with the tenacity of a Jacob, we will meet him. And we will know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering. Whoever told you that the Christian life would be one of ease, one of total productivity and total excitement and total happiness and total blessing. Whoever told you that did not understand Genesis 32, did not understand the book of Job, did not understand the sufferings of Jesus Christ himself. It was in suffering that Jesus found the greatest joy. We have been led to believe that everything ought to just click together and fall into place and nobody would ever have to say, I have cancer or I have this or I've gone through this valley. We sometimes seemingly hide our difficulties and our problems from others for fear that they will think we're not spiritual. Listen, my dear friends, this whole story deals with this great problem that if God sees fit to touch us where we're going to have to live, it is because he does not want us to go through life bleeding and being scabbed up and hurting he wants us to know that we can walk through life in victory if we hold on and do not let him go. He saw the Lord. He saw himself. And when those two things happened, Jacob had worshipped. We have come together today in a worship experience to meet him and I say again, this worship experience transcends all other human experience. Anything else you have planned all week is nothing compared to this. The worship of God Almighty. We can return today to the source of our being, the source of our help, the source of all things, and leave turbulence and pressures of the world out there to be healed in God's presence. I close with the experience of Isaiah in chapter 6 of that great prophetic book. In that day, Isaiah went into the house of God 
And he saw the Lord high and lifted up when he went into the house of the Lord. As he walked into that place, he did what Jacob experienced in Genesis 32. He saw the Lord. He experienced a meeting with heavenly power. And then as you move down through Isaiah 6, you will come across the cry of Isaiah. When he saw the Lord, he said, I am a man of unclean lips. And he said, Woe is me. There it is again. The same development as in Genesis 32. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, and then he cried, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. Have you come to church today to impress me with your presence or impress somebody else that you have taken time to be here or have you come to hold on to the heavenly visitor, to see the Lord and then see yourself as he touches you because you're holding on with all your might to the only one who can bring you through the valley, to the only one who can set you on a mountain, to the only one who can forgive you of your sin, to the only one who can give you power sufficient to carry you through the problems and the vicissitudes that face you out beyond these doors. There's the outline. There's the story. Genesis 32, the wrestler that would not give up. He would not let Jacob go initially because Jacob hadn't yet seen himself. But when he recognized that this was some very special visitor, he then cried, I will not let you go. You bless me. You can walk out of here one or two ways today. You can walk out having surrendered yourself to the Almighty and having Him touch you where you need the touch the most. Or you can walk out of here dependent on self and continue to live in a self-centered way. God has placed me here this morning to ask you to choose the former, to let God touch you where you need the touch the most, and walk out of here with an absolute dependence upon divinity and power and strength and might to face whatever comes along, because you've seen the Lord, and by seeing Him you've seen yourself. I come to this pulpit week after week with a great consciousness of how needy we are. Young lady, just sit down there a moment, please. Don't move until we're through. Thank you. We need to recognize every week that none of us are perfect. None of us come into this place having everything together. We must come Always with the idea of surrender. Always with the idea of giving up. Because until we do that, 
heavenly visitor passes us by. He'll walk on by the ship, or he'll move down the Emmaus Road and leave us by ourselves. I don't want that, do you? I want to prevail. And your name will be Israel because with God you have prevailed. You've moved through. You've passed beyond. There's the key to spiritual power and spiritual victory. When the flesh says, I don't have time, the Spirit says, read. When the flesh says, you don't have time, the Spirit says, get on your knees. When the flesh says, don't give your tithes to the Lord, the Spirit says, give and believe God to meet the need. That's what I'm talking about. Moving by the self-centeredness that we all are faced with into that place where God can say, you have prevailed. Therefore, you'll be changed. You walk out new, though you may walk out with a limp. But it will be good for you. And together, we can conquer. Let's bow our heads in prayer. As the Spirit of God takes his word, let us not delay in applying it right where we are, right where we live. I do not know what you have been battling this week. I do know that the Apostle John told us that we battle the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. We like to do it our own way because it's easier. Nobody likes to get in a ring and wrestle just for the sake of wrestling. So we deal with where we hurt and where we are failing in these next few moments. Will you take hold of the heavenly visitor? That's your divine option. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've come to visit us at Capital Christian Center today. That you have reached out to every man, woman, young person in this building and those listening by radio and who will yet watch by television. We thank you that we know now as we study this passage of Scripture your plan, your method of approach. You always come to us, but we must say, Stop, Jesus. Stop right here. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. As you walked on that water, the disciples had to welcome you into their boat. So, Jesus, we stop right now to welcome you in. We deal with our sins. We deal with our shortcomings, our failures, our selfishness. Touch us. Wrestle with us so that we will be changed in Jesus' name. First of all, as our heads are bowed in prayer, 
How many of you have come to church this morning sensing your need of salvation? If Christ should return today, you would not be ready to meet the Lord. And you know in your heart that's true. You need to receive Jesus Christ by personal invitation. Lord Jesus, cleanse me, wash me from my sins. Save me now. I want you to raise your hand as an indication of that need. And I will see it and pray for you. And I know the Lord Jesus will hear our prayer and will come and save you and cleanse you from all iniquity. Just raise it up right now. Wherever you sit, let me see it. And then you may put it down just for a moment. Thank you over here to my right. Two hands. And here in this section to my right. God bless you. Raise them up and then down again. God bless you. Let me see them. Let me pray for you. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a man in right standing with God avails much. Back under this area to my right. Thank you. Any others? Just raise them up. Thank you. Back over here. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. I do want to pray for you, and the Lord will come and minister. Are there any others? I need Jesus in my life. I want to be ready. Here's my hand, Pastor. Pray for me. Lift it up right now, wherever you are. Let us pray for you today. He loves you so very much. All right, the second part of my appeal then is to Christians. But to Christians who realize they're not perfect and there's a particular struggle. I mentioned the man from South Africa who had the habit of drink and in himself could not overcome it. But when he said, Jesus, Jesus, there was victory. I don't know what lion or tiger you have been battling, but most everybody has one of some kind or another. You will raise your hand and say, Pastor, I'm going to have an encounter today. I'm going to meet Jesus today, and then I know I will know myself, and I will go out of here renewed and with power. Would you raise your hand? Lift it up right now. I'm going to believe God with you for deliverance, for victory, for a touch in your life. Yes, God bless you. That hand is a sign of faith and surrender as well. And I thank God for it. God bless you throughout the sanctuary. I want you to stand reverently for our prayer as we pray together for those who are receiving Christ into their hearts as well as for those who need deliverance in some area. Remember the two points. Isaiah saw the Lord, then he saw himself. Your vision must be vertical first, then horizontal. Are you looking upward? Are you looking to him, the author and the finisher of your faith? He will help you see yourself, and he will change you. Let us pray together throughout the sanctuary and pray in faith with me. Heavenly Father, I lift up to you, first of all, all of those who raise their hands indicating that they need Christ in their life as Savior and Lord. I pray that they will receive the forgiveness of God right now, that the touch of Jesus will now be upon their heads and their hearts. And they will know that they have passed from death unto life.